Good morning, everyone. Yeah, last week we started a new series, very exciting, um, and that is Meals with Jesus. Amen. How many of you ever eaten with Jesus? What do you think? Okay, I see some hands. We'll get to that. We'll get to that a little bit more. We've eaten with Jesus. I came home one day, my wife said, uh, we're having somebody over for dinner. I said, oh, that's great. Who is it? She said, Stacy. And I go, Stacy? I don't know. Stacy? Who is she? My wife said, I don't know. <laughs> it was like, well, we're having a total stranger over. Is this a sinner or a saint? I don't, I don't know. You know, Jesus ate with sinners and publicans and all kinds of people. Turns out it was our very own Stacy, <laughs> a saint. We had a wonderful, wonderful time. We actually prayed before we ate, and that's called saying grace. How many of you say grace? Do you say grace? Yeah, my father said grace. He was a real special man. We'd have, a lot, we'd have a lot of people at the table. And, you know, there's regular meals and then there's special meals, you know? And so at special occasions, it was just the food was different. Everything was a, a little different. And, of course, my mom would say, who'd like to say grace? And my dad said, I'll say grace. So everybody gets, you know, in a position. We're waiting. And dad says, grace, okay, let's eat. <laughs> it was just his way of uh, behaving. He was like a funny guy like most of the time. Grace is what we're looking at this morning. And grace is God's unmerited favor. Like we just don't deserve it. But he pours out to us in the beginning so that we come to know him. And then he continues to pour out his grace, his favor in our lives. And in the church world, we have, we have defined this, and we go back to some of the original language in Latin, it's gratia, and it has the idea of favor, but it also carries with it the idea of gratitude. And so, I, I, can we have this next slide? I created this little diagram because, you know, for the purpose of communicating... So many times we'll narrow something down that is in the Bible to a little catchphrase. Grace is God's unmerited favor. That is true. But take a look at this. Grace is really a story. Grace is God's story that he writes. The narrative is, is written in the predestination of who he's called us to be, but it also requires a response. So we see that God is love. From the very beginning, God is love, and that love manifests itself toward people like you and I who absolutely do not deserve it. So he gives us his unmerited favor or grace. So that's God's part of the story. He pours down with all of this, but then he looks to us to respond because his story is not complete without you and I engaging with him walking with him. So our part is to be filled with gratitude. And as we look at the scripture today, we're going to see that this woman, who was a known woman in town, received grace from God, all right? She was filled with gratitude, and Jesus proclaims because of her response, this woman is brought to a place of salvation. And not only that, it didn't stay there she began to radiate that love of God. Because as God came into her, 
it, it created in her this fervor and this desire to shed his love abroad to others. So grace then is expressed by joyfully doing his will. Amen. How many of you are here today because you couldn't stay away? You knew God was bringing you to church. Let's see your hands. All right. And the rest of us maybe came because we knew we really should, right? <laughs> it happens. It happens, right? Remember this mom was trying to get her son up. She says, son, you got to get up. It's time for church. He goes, I don't want to go. She said, you have to. You're the preacher. <laughs> it happens. It happens to all of us. Uh, but to be in the center of God's will, to be crazy about Jesus, will empower his love, his grace, his favor, which we don't deserve, will build gratitude in our hearts and excitement to do his will, like this woman that we're going to look at today. The question is this. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have responded already. But are we continuing to respond in our daily lives? So our big idea today is our daily response or our response to Jesus reveals our grasp of his grace. In the passage we're going to look at today, there are two people that are highlighted. One is a Pharisee and the other is a very sinful woman with a terrible reputation. All right? And so to kind of set this scene... Uh, we're going to just start out by reading Luke chapter 7 and starting in verse uh, 36. And here's the deal. This is what's so cool. Luke is a doctor, right? And so he, he can read people's body language, but he's, he's so sensitive, he's probably able to read their spiritual wellness as well. So he's picking up on who's well and who is not well. We might at a glance say, that the religious person who shows up for church, the Pharisee, is well. His outward life is looking pretty good. And he might look at the woman who's on the street and say, yeah, she's, she's the sick one. But let's, let's dig deeper. So one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went, this is Jesus, into the Pharisee's house. And he reclined uh, at table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner... When she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flax of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wipe his feet with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with oil. What an occasion! This is like such an outrage. Here's a Pharisee. This guy is well-appointed in his community, right? He's well-known. And why is he having Jesus over? It might be that Jesus is a popular guy, right? And he's like, I just got to be seen with this guy, so I'm going to invite my important friends, and I'll throw Jesus in the mix, and we'll see what kind of happens in this situation. Now, remember how they ate? Uh, Pastor Dan brought it up beautifully last week. You know, they reclined on the floor, leaning on one arm and eating with the other, you know, and her feet are behind. And she is there in that moment. And she is a woman of the city, a sinner, well known for that. 
Later traditions say that she may have been a prostitute, but there's nothing in this particular text that brings that out very clearly. So there she is. What I'd like to do is bring this story into the 21st century. So I'm going to read a little bit. I'm going to change some of what's there just so that we can make this uh, so much more uh, relatable. So getting way out in space, I'm looking over the entire Earth. We've got Google Earth here. We're going to hone in on Michigan. We're going to zero in on St. Clair uh, County. Now we're in Clay Township. Let's, uh, let's zoom in on Harsons Island. There we are. Harsons Island. Are you all there with me? Harsons Island. Great place, right? Anybody know anybody on Harsons Island? Yeah, we know a few people, okay? Well, there's this guy there. His name is Gary, right? And Gary is a good guy, man. He's a part of the Harsons Island. He's, a, he's got a position with the authority about the ferry boat or something. I don't know what it is. Anyhow, he's a cool dude, right? And this guy is religious. We're going to call him a Pharisee, okay, just for all practice. And his wife is with him in this. Can you believe it, Carol? Anyhow, they're very respectable people. They have this nice place. And I chose their location because it's kind of a public. It's not really public, but you can get there by a road or you can get there by a boat. And so the houses in this first century, they were set up so that when you had something going on at home, people were, they could kind of see over the wall. They could kind of like get in on it, right? So Gary's having this fantastic party, but somebody got there a little early and they weren't sure who it was. But this, this lady is out on her jet ski and she's just kind of like floating around back and forth in front of their property. This is a woman who was like well-known in town and I was trying to pick somebody from our congregation to fit this, but I decided I better not. <laughs> Anyhow, she's out there. She's looking good, right? Um, she did not get wet. And she's, um, she's in her, you know, uh, summer recreational attire, all right? And um, she's a little overdressed. She's wearing heels. Anyhow... Uh, Jesus is there, and so she, she parks her jet ski, she's kind of bold, parks her jet ski, gets off, starts walking across the lawn, the Pharisee takes a look at her and goes, oh my gosh, those stiletto heels, she's going to put a hole right through my sprinkling system, she's, I, he's not real happy about this, um, and then she, she walks right up, you know, and, and Carol, Carol is like, who is this, who did Gary invite, well, she wasn't invited, but she walks right up to Joe DeRue. This woman walks right up to Joe Daru. Joe Daru is Jesus in this, okay? And she, she greets him. He's sitting there on a picnic blanket having his lunch. And she, uh, she gives him a huge hug. And everybody's like, oh my gosh, if Joe had one ounce of spiritual discernment, he would know. This is that lady. She's always uptown. She's hanging out all over the place. I don't know what's going on. It's not good. Joe should know better. Everybody is like, all the guests are looking, and they're trying to figure out what is actually going on here. So we've got these three groups of people, actually. We have the Pharisee, we have Jesus, and then we have all of the other guests who are hanging out at this house during this incredible situation that is taking place. Now, if we look at this from a not-too-personal standpoint, I'd like us to pretend that we are all the guests we are all guests. In other words, every single one of us has an opinion about this woman who showed up at the party. Every one of us have an opinion about Jesus. And every one of us are either identifying with 
or questioning the Pharisee in this story. But if we get very, very personal about it, we can understand that we are one of these three people or one of these several people in this group. So let's read on. Grace received, the first thing, grace received from Jesus results in great love for Jesus. Jesus has been known for quoting Isaiah 61. We read it in the scripture. So I'm wondering if this woman, because she's so fascinating, if this woman had heard the message of Jesus, because when she shows up at this party, her behavior shows that she has identified him as her savior. Jesus had read earlier Isaiah, I mean, uh, he quoted Isaiah in Luke 4, 18. He said this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Think about the perspective of this woman. She knows she's a sinner. She knows she may have been trapped in this kind of lifestyle with no way out. And for each of us, we have some things that we're, we wrestle with. I've talked with some of you this morning. Things that we still wrestle with. And then she hears this message of Jesus. The Spirit of the Lord is upon him. He's anointed to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, God's mercy. We see Jesus throughout Scripture ministering to people who are the most needy. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. I believe it's, how, it's the reason we are all here today. Because somewhere in our own understanding of who we are, we recognize that we are needy. And now we have found Jesus. And now we know that we can live a brand new life. And we know that through the waters of baptism, the old man is buried. And when we come out, we're resurrected. We're brand new creatures in Christ. And the thing that can happen is what happened to the Pharisee. He may have understood all of the, the deep, rich meanings behind the law. But he began to obey the outwardness of the law. He began to do the good things and the right things, but it didn't change who he was. And then there's a woman who is doing none of the right things, and yet she encounters Jesus, and it, it changes who she is. So we can assume there's a, a New Testament scholar named Kenneth Bailey, and he notes, the story assumes that before the drama opens, the woman had heard Jesus proclaiming his message of grace for sinners. The entire account makes no sense without that. She lived in the streets. She had her ear to the ground. She could hear what was going on. She understood Maybe from a distance. I wondered even if the day that Jesus read Isaiah, if she was somehow, you know, in earshot of those words and they resonated in her heart. Perhaps she saw miracles taking place and she didn't need one in her body. She needed one in her soul and in her spirit, just like every one of us. She responds to him at this party with something that seems so inappropriate. She's very intimate with him, and she is extravagant in all that she does. She weeps. Her own tears fall on his feet. 
This is a woman who is 100% captivated by this idea that God has poured out unmerited favor. She wipes her feet, uh, his feet with her hair. I mean, who wants to do that, right? She is giving herself to him. As a matter of fact, it was inappropriate in public for a woman to let her hair down. It was only something that was done in the intimacy of a bedroom with her husband. And here this woman, who perhaps had acted that way in public many times, was now doing it for the first time where everything that she had done that was so wrong became so right in this moment. And it looked very odd to everybody. You know, when we first came to Christ, we looked very odd to everybody who knew us before. Stay away from Joe and Chris. They got religion. They're so strange. They go to church. And when they're done on Sunday, they take a nap. <laughs> and when they wake up, they go back to church. <laughs> and they can't come to family gatherings. What's happened to them? They're lost. Why couldn't they be good Catholics like the rest of us, right? Well, true story. I was a Pharisee. I did all the right things. Anything happening at church, I was there. And a lot of time I was in charge of it. Cleaning crew, the offering, the accounting, social events, Sunday school organization, mission trips. It was all about doing the right things. And all the time you're doing the right things, there's something inside of you gnawing away because the behavior never makes us right before God. This woman looked like she was doing everything wrong and it was so right. Is our love for Jesus radical enough to look ridiculous in front of people? Are we that crazy in love for Jesus? You know, I... Uh, I have a bunch of kids have lunch with me every day at school, and this one day, and this girl, she's amazing. She's, she's, she loves Jesus. You know, I, I would never guess that she would do, that she would even go on a date. It's just like, she loves Jesus too much. She came in one day, and I looked at her, and I said, you went on a date. <laughs> and she said, how did you know? And I said, there's something in you that is radiating this notion of love. I don't know, it might be puppy love, but it's, it's love. And then her girlfriend came in for lunch and she's, she told the girlfriend that I, you know, I, I spoke what happened over the weekend and I looked at the other girl and she was all lit. And I says, who do you like? And she told me her boyfriend's name, you know, and it was like, and then we got talking about like, what is it like, you know, to like, really think you're in love with somebody. You know, I mean, this is like 11th, 12th grade, right? And it's like, and they're talking and their faces are all lit up. And I said, isn't love exciting? 
And they were like, it is, <laughs> you know? And they're just like anticipating, you know, like what's going to happen next? Is he going to call me? Probably not, he'll text, right? Or whatever. But like there's this, this anticipation, you know, and all the, they're just getting started. But it's like this is the adventure. God is love. His love is expressed through unmerited favor. And it's up to us to respond to that. And when we do, there's such gratitude. And there's like this, this power of love that transforms who we are. And we begin to come under the influence. We're DUI, driven under the influence. And we live a radical life because we're tapping into the very thing that God is looking for in every one of our lives. I love this. I love this. And then this woman kisses his feet. How radical is our love? She anointed them with something that was so expensive. She didn't care. Like the early church. Expensive? I don't care. Anybody who wants any of my stuff, who needs it, you can have it. They had all things in common. Radical love. Radical love. It's amazing. So cool. There's a story about uh, a woman who attempted to assassinate Queen Elizabeth. She dressed up as a page and she hid you know, in her boudoir, in a, in a, a, a wardrobe. However, the, her guards went in, they checked everything out, they found this woman, they brought her before uh, the queen. And um, I want to find, I want to read it to you. She realized that her case, this, this one who was going to murder her, was human, humanly speaking, was hopeless. And so she threw herself down on her knees and pleaded, begging the queen to have compassion on her and to show grace. And Queen Elizabeth looked at her quietly and coolly and said, If I show you grace, what promise will you make for the future? This is cool. The woman said, Grace that has conditions, grace that is fettered by precautions is no grace at all. What? She could have had her killed. And the queen says, I'm going to show you grace. What are you going to do for me? And the woman says, it's not grace if you require something from me. Queen Elizabeth understood immediately and said, you're right. I pardon you by my grace. And they led her away a free woman. History tells us that from that moment, Queen Elizabeth had no more faithful, devoted servant than that woman who had intended to take her life. Isn't that an amazing story? I think I told you a story. I, I drowned one. I drowned. <laughs> I didn't drown. I'm here. I almost drowned one time in a pool, and this lady jumped in and saved me. And I thought, I could never go home again. I have to stay and live the rest of my life taking out her garbage, be the pool boy and the lawn boy and all that stuff. You know, it's like just that notion that we are alive from the dead. It's amazing. Grace is not earned. It is never earned. We can't clean ourselves up enough to get the grace. There's no prerequisite for earning God's grace. The thing we need is to know how broken we are, how broken we are. And then when we receive that grace, it compels us to live differently because we come under the influence. 
I've studied grace for many years, so today I was so excited that I could share this message. Grace, in its original uh, language, um, means that we, are, we come under the influence. God's, grace is God's divine, divinely appointed influence that falls upon us and influences us to such a degree that he engages us to do First, it's the, the influence that causes us to be, and then the influence that causes us to do His will with cheerfulness and gladness. This idea of reaching out to people who need God is so exciting. In teaching, you know, I have, I have a kid who is just like all over the place. This is a different one than the one I told you about last time. This kid uh, said some horrible things, just horrible. His mouth, he's, his mouth is such a... Sh- a tool. It's like a machine gun at times, and at other times it's like filled with such mercy and grace. And this kid said something horrible to um, a group of girls, and he was suspended, right? So he is obviously the bad kid. But grace, grace just looks for the opportunity to, to pour out unmerited favor and influence so that transformation happens. And that kid has received it so much so, but here's the thing. Everybody else watches. At this dinner party, there was an audience, and they saw Jesus reaching out to the lowest, and everybody learned. And so I do that. It's so much fun. You know, we have people in our church who go into filthy places. They go into homes of hoarders, not just one to say they did a good deed, but many times over, different homes. And they give themselves to this kind of ministry. You know, everybody in the neighborhood sees it. Everybody learns. If we're such abundant recipients of grace, and it it influences us and it empowers us, then we would be those who radiate grace as well and demonstrate that in our community. Can you imagine what would happen here in Algonac if each of us began to live this radical kind of a life of grace? So in this story, there's a contrast here between the Pharisee and his lack of love and the incredible love of this woman. So our second point is the Pharisee, grace refused from Jesus results in little love. Let's take a look at Luke chapter 7, verse 39. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. The Pharisee didn't say anything. He just thought it. And then Jesus heard his thoughts. And Jesus answered him and said, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he said, say it, teacher. Verse 41. A certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon, bright guy, right? He answers, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. 
Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. I'm sorry, Jesus didn't say it like that. <laughs> he said it probably more like this. <laughs> That's more like a Sicilian Jesus, okay? We won't go there. <laughs> he said, Simon, I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet. Simon, try not to be too embarrassed. Everybody at the party is listening right now. But she wet my feet with her tears and she wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss. From the time I came in, she's not ceased to kiss my feet. See, she was there before Jesus. She was waiting. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she's anointed my feet with oil. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. This is so bizarre. Because Simon, the Pharisee, is the big sinner. He's the huge sinner. He's the guy who is religious. He's doing everything right. And in this story, he's the sinner. And the question at the beginning is, are we taking the grace of God for granted? Or are we accessing him every day? If Jesus was a true prophet, this guy says, he wouldn't know what kind of woman this is. Jesus is the true prophet, dude, because he read your mind and he asked you a question and he answered your sick thoughts. He let her touch him. The New Testament scholar Daryl Bach in Simon's mind, pious figures like prophets have nothing to do with sinners. If spiritual people are to maintain their purity and their testimony, association with sinners is prohibited. Simon thinks he's all that. Simon thinks he's really good. And he thinks this woman is really bad. And as it turns out, this woman is really good. And Simon is really bad. <laughs> he just, he can't see it. Right? I remember I was in a church and this guy was homeless. He was there. He had seen his parents murdered as a teenager. And he gave up on society and he, he lived in the streets. And this guy knew Jesus. I knew another homeless guy. This pastor would see him, and one day the Lord told him, pick him up. He picked him up, and he had a conversation with this, this homeless man. And the pastor was crushed. He was wrecked in the conversation because this homeless man knew Jesus in ways that the pastor didn't. It just makes you want to know that you're a sinner to receive the abundant grace. It makes me want to be so humble and broken so I can get that grace of God in this new and wonderful way. The Pharisees rejected John the Baptist's call to repentance. It's like, we don't need that. We're good. They rejected Jesus' ministry for proclaiming forgiveness to sinners because he was hanging around them. They were self-righteous and thought that their moral purity and obedience to the Torah in the specific way that they were obedient was pleasing to God when it was actually detestable to God. Have you ever thanked God that you are better than others? <laughs> I'm sorry, that's a terrible question, isn't it? 
well, I'm not as bad as, oh my gosh, I think we've all done it, have we? I know. It's because we just want to feel better about ourselves. But the scripture says the exact opposite. Esteem other people better than you. It's a tough thing. But I think what God wants us to do is embrace our own brokenness and realize that my inability, your inability, is our ticket to grace. And grace is the divine influence upon our hearts that causes us to do his will with cheerfulness and gladness. It's amazing. The Pharisees loved their system. It was nice and neat. Human effort could take care of everything. I have a precious family member who is very ill. And they continually, in their neediness, cry out to God. Right? As a matter of fact, I had major issues with this, wondering why, why, why. They don't deserve it. God reminded me that he makes the blind and the deaf. That he's in charge and he'll use anybody any way he wants to because he's God. And now I see that God is using this person to bring the message of grace to everybody around them. It's amazing. I absolutely, I love the way this happens in life. But it, we, we, we wrestle with it at times. It's good for us to recognize we live in an ever, ever state of fallenness and we need God. Our third point today is our actions of love reveal a faith that saves. Back at Luke, chapter 7, verse 48, as we come to the end of this, is so exciting. Uh, and he said to her, Jesus says to her, your sins are forgiven. And then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this? Who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So we have Simon. We have this woman, right? And then we have all of the guests and we have Jesus in this story. And the truth is, if we could go back, can we go back to that slide, that diagram? I hope that's not too challenging back there. Oh, look at you guys, you're good. If we go all the way back here, we can see that God is love. And he pours this love out. And then he looks for this response. And as she responds with gratitude, she begins to have faith. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing and believing brings a person to a place of salvation. Grace is a story that is unfolding in our lives. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8, it says, For by grace are ye saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God. And I believe that God pours out his grace every day to us because she did not just have grace to be saved, right? She had grace to continue living. So Jesus says to this woman, your faith has saved you. Now go in peace. And that peace comes by continually responding to the grace of God. 
This whole idea of, of grace is so stirring in my heart. I was talking with a cousin in, in, uh, in Florida the other day, and we talked a little bit about it, and she texted me back. She said, your question and the idea is that grace to be saved, yes, but grace to live every day in the fullness of what God has. Uh, she said, your question led me to check into grace for my future. She said, wow, that opened up a multitude of grace truths and challenges. I will be checking into grace some more. We are saved by grace. We inherit grace. We receive grace. We grow in grace. We stand uh, in grace. We abound in grace, and we are strong in grace. And when she finished this, she did something by the grace of God that she'd been struggling with doing for maybe three or four years. Grace is God's power within us. Well, Danny Walker is an amazing man. Danny, would you come up? Danny has a story of grace, and uh, we just love to have him uh, share with us. Look at those young legs. You can climb right up here. I can't believe it. I make my own pants. Yeah, it's amazing. So tell us, tell us about your, your story, your story of grace. Uh, tell us uh, your first experience in experiencing God's grace and the power of it. Yeah, so as I, yeah, as, as I was trying to think about this question when we were talking about it yeah. before, um, you know, I'm, I'm realizing that His grace is it's always been there in one form or another. Um, but uh, really, he, he shows me his grace mostly. I, I can identify it as, as his grace uh, through my interactions with other people. Mm -hmm. um, the first time that I can really say, well, that I, I started to recognize it uh -huh. was through a past relationship. Uh, I was dating this girl, uh, just fresh... I, so let me backtrack a little bit um, to give you a little insight into my story and who I am. Uh, you know, I was a really broken and hopeless person. Sorry, these lights are just killing my eyes. <laughs> I know. Um, but yeah, no, I was really, uh, I was using drugs heavily. Uh, a lot of you guys don't know that about me. Um, but I was a pretty active drug user. Um, and when I first got into recovery... Uh, I found myself in another relationship, which was a dangerous thing for me because being an addict, you're also very codependent. And so that's probably where a lot of my, my issues lied was uh, in the codependency thing. I was really looking for something that was f fulfilling. Mm -hmm. um, and I thought I would find it in relationships. Long story short, this this... Uh, past relationship was the first time that I dated somebody who wasn't a user as well. Um, this person was actually oh, well along in her faith. She, she was in a, a hard time in her faith and uh, she was trying to get back into church. So she really started bringing me into church and showing me what, what it was to be a Christian. Um, and so we started really uh, attending youth groups. We started doing worship, uh, like concerts, like we went to Bethel Music and Lauren Daigle. And I, I would say at Bethel, 
especially is one of the most impactful moments that I, I realized mm -hmm. God's presence the most. And uh, it's just so interesting to me to think about how he puts all these people in my life uh, to, to bring me closer to him, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Amen. Danny, where do you think you'd be today? You know, because that moment of that saving grace changed you from the inside. It influenced you. It flipped some God switches in you to get that original wiring of how you're supposed to live your life. You know, now, if that moment hadn't happened, what would your life look like today? I, I, know, I know I'd still be lost. Um, mm -hmm. I, I do remember what it was like before, you know, I, <clears throat> I came to God. Mm -hmm. um, before I started realizing he was working in my life. Yeah. Uh, ask me your question again. Say that again. <laughs> I know, the lights, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Where would you be today? Would you be alive? No. Right. No, I, would, right. I was a walking dead man, yeah. really, you know? And, uh, <laughs> you know, my life is overflowing with his grace now. <laughs> Let's give him a hand. I love it. Thank you, Danny. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. <laughs> what a great story. Complete transformation, you know. And you can sense in Danny, too, that it's like, yeah, I got saved. Okay, I'm good. I'm good. Good to go. No, it's this ongoing adventure that we have in daily life. Well, thank you, Danny. I really appreciate that. So today, what about us? Who are we in this story? I think that's a really... That's a tough question. Who do you want to be in the story? Right? Everybody would say, Jesus, okay? <laughs> and it's really good. We want to be more like him. But who are we really? I just want us to today take a look at this story from another perspective. Like the saddest guy in the whole story, the tragic character is a Pharisee. There's no indication whatsoever, you know, that he understood the grace of God, the forgiveness of sins. He had no idea about that because he thought he was okay just the way he was. I believe that grace is here today, you know, for every one of us. If you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, today is a, is a great day to do that. Because you can see how the arms of God are wide open. How like he rejoices more over one who turns and repents than he does over others who are just fine. If today you have been in a place of living your life and it's okay, it's coming along, I mean, you know, there's order, but you're missing that, that radical love that this woman has. And, you know, we don't know if she got saved in the first year, the second year, the third year of Jesus' ministry. We just know that she knew him and she came to a place where she said, I have got to express this in a new and radical way. You know, there's that grace for each of us today as well. We want to fall fresh, you know, into this grace of God. We want to position ourselves you know, we can't make it happen. The Bible says very clearly in John 6, 44, no man can come to me except he, he's drawn by the Father. And I believe that God would draw every one of us in new and wonderful ways.
to position ourselves in humility and a position of neediness this morning to receive more of him. So our musicians will come now and lead us in a, a final song. But as they do, let's just examine ourselves. Who do we want? Who do we want to be like in that story? You know, and what, what will the cost be and what will the, what will the great adventure of life look like? I can't help but think of the Apostle Paul. You know, he was that Pharisee, and he got knocked off. And I'm not assuming anybody here is. I'm just saying that the world hasn't yet seen, you know, what can happen through Christians, a body of believers who are so radically in love with Jesus that they're engaging with sinners along the way and being conduits of his love and his grace with an exceeding joy and gratitude and love. Lord Jesus, you know each of us today very intimately. May we be bold before you to express, may we be free to express the great passion that we have in life to be like you. You're a God who turns everything upside down. You make the good guy, the guy who looks like a good guy, really look like a bad guy because you you flip them over and everybody sees. You make the one who is really nasty on the outside look really good on the inside. And then you clean up our lives. And you anoint us. You anoint us with words of love and compassion that flow from the deep well of your indwelling spirit. So meet with us this day, we pray. May each of us respond to that abundant grace that is poured out. May your grace be a story that is told through our lives because you're always telling a story in Scripture and you've meant for each one of us to be that story. We thank you and praise you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.